0: You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's your boy, Chris Rosvoglu. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Report. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. And guess what, folks? I was wrong. I told you last week I thought the Buccaneers would beat the Saints. I thought they'd even up the series, and I left a little but at the end, and I said, but there would be a third meeting. Well, let's not get to a third meeting. Let's not get to a rubber match because the Saints beat the living shit out of the Buccaneers on Sunday Night Football. It wasn't even close. They jumped out to a huge 31-0 lead going into halftime, and it was over. Tom Brady looked deflated, just like the balls from the AFC Championship a couple of years ago. The Buccaneers' offense was stagnant. The defense had no answer for Drew Brees, who looked way better than Tom Brady last night. And it was just the most complete game of football we've seen from the New Orleans Saints since they probably dominated the Philadelphia Eagles two years ago, 48-7. to Yet this one felt sweeter. Why did it feel sweeter? Because it came against the media's golden boy, Tom Brady, who everyone loves to say is the GOAT, and rightfully so. But enough of this bullshit where when he has a bad game, we just ignore it. I mean, this whole year, Tom Brady, granted, his numbers look good. He's playing with a bunch of weapons. And I bet today someone will say, Tom Brady doesn't have enough help. I don't want to hear it. We're going to get into every little thing that happened uh, last night between the Saints and the Bucks. But let's start off with number nine, who has taken... A whole lot of heat this year. People said he should retire. People say he's washed up. People say this, they say that. All I know is that Drew Brees threw four touchdown passes, was 26 of 32 last night, had no interceptions, and he looked like one of the best, if not the best quarterback uh, of all time. Meanwhile, Brady on the other side had three picks, no touchdowns, looked flustered the whole night. It was a big difference. And they all love to talk about the touchdown record and who has it, who doesn't. If I go look now, Do you know how many quarterbacks have more touchdown passes than Drew Brees all time? None of them. He extended his lead by three. Everyone hyped up Brady this year about overtaking it. Drew Brees said, no, no, it's still mine. And we saw on Sunday night, he looked fantastic from the jump. And it's crazy. He didn't even practice fully this week. He had a shoulder injury. And we were all wondering, what the hell is going on with Drew? Is he okay? I think he's more than okay, folks. He looked fantastic. And this is what happens when you get all your pieces back. Everyone loved to kick the Saints while they were down. And didn't even address the fact that they were injured. This team had all their guys last night. And this is the product you get. A 38-3 ass-whooping beatdown of the Buccaneers. And that's exactly what you wanted to see. I thought they would lose this game. I was wrong. I own up to it, unlike other people. And I was so impressed with the way this Saints team won this game. Now let's talk about the guy who did not play so well, Mr. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. It's funny, man. It's really funny the way people treat certain quarterbacks. Drew Brees, he was playing bad. Everyone said, oh, it's time to pack it up, old man. Get the hell out of here. Brady's leash is so long. It's ridiculously long. And people try to sneak his ass into the MVP conversation. Russell Wilson's balling out. Kyler Murray's balling out. Patrick Mahomes is playing really well. He's probably the MVP favorite right now. And yet people are like, hey, let's sneak Tom Brady into the MVP conversation. Get that the hell out of here, and if it's not out of here after today, I don't know when the hell we're going to get rid of it. He was god-awful against the New Orleans Saints. That was literally and statistically the worst loss of Tom Brady's 20-something year career, the worst loss. He finally gets swept by a division opponent, so tip your cap to the Saints and also give a middle finger to the AFC East because they're that incompetent that no one in 19 years of Tom Brady's run in the AFC East could sweep him not one team not the useless jets not the incompetent dolphins and not the sorry buffalo bills none of those teams to do it so you know big middle finger to the afc east tip your cap to the saints for being able to do it but tom brady did not look good and i said last week if the saints are going to win this game the number one thing they needed to do and it was the no-brainer get pressure on Tom Brady. And you know what the Saints did from the very first play? Cam Jordan got pressure on Tom Brady. And it was almost a sign of things to come with the way it happened. Trey Hendrickson had two sacks. You saw that Malcolm Brown had a big sack. You saw Cam Jordan was in his face. Marcus Davenport's not going to look great on the box score when you just search up the stats. The man was a bully all day long. He just abused Donovan Smith and that Tampa Bay defensive line. And remember... Marcus Davenport didn't play the first time around. I said that's an important thing. He's playing now, it's going to change things. The kid is special. We can say he's two we could call him two first. We could say whatever we want. We could get frustrated about the injuries. When he's healthy, Marcus Davenport's a special player. He really is so dominant. He changes the whole defensive line's approach and he was fantastic. And how about the guys that came up with interceptions? Marcus Williams, he hasn't been playing well. He comes up with a big pick. Malcolm Jenkins, uh, Brady gave him a gift there, but Malcolm played really well yesterday. But the big one, David Anyamata, big Anyamata with a pick off of basically a double-doink deflection, and he comes down with it. And I am always for big men getting interceptions. It's the greatest thing in the world. I mean, the, the three seconds that they have the ball and they're running around, they look like a chicken without its head. They just start running. They have no clue where they're going, and it's fantastic. But seriously, this Saints defense balled out against Tom Brady, who, for lack of a better word, looked like dog shit last night. And that's an insult to dog shit with the way he played. He was god-awful. I know everyone's going to make excuses. Your Dan Orlovskis of the world are going to say, well, Bruce Arians' plan wasn't great. They should have ran the football more. They didn't help Tom Brady out. How much more fucking help does Tom Brady need? He's got Antonio Brown. He's got Mike Evans. He's got Chris Godwin. He's got Rob Gronkowski. He's got Scottie Miller. He's got... Um, uh, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. You can go down the list. He's got Pro Bowl player after Pro Bowl player after Pro Bowl player. Stop telling me he needs more help. Stop. I'm not going to listen. Enough. When he plays bad, just say he plays bad. Just own it. God damn. I mean, for some people, it's so hard to just say, oh, time buddy, just didn't play well. Uh, apparently, they just can't do that. They really can't. On the other side, though, let's talk about you know the, who played well for the Saints. It basically was everyone for the exception of Jared Cook, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But how about Marshawn Lattimore, man? How about Marshawn Lattimore? Every time this guy plays against Mike Evans, he just gets ready to go, and he always plays well. He for the exception of the first that uh, that Week One game in 2018, where Ryan Fitzpatrick just threw all over the Saints defense. Marshawn Lattimore owns Mike Evans, and how about on Sunday night? He was targeted five times. He gave up two catches for 25 yards, and that goal line stand when it was 31 nothing, and the Bucs are trying to get some momentum. Fourth and goal, they throw a fade to Mike Evans. Marshawn Lattimore says that's not going to happen. I know Mike Evans was complaining he wanted a P.I. call. Dude, you're 6'5". You're huge. You better get that ball. And if you can't, that's on you. And Marshawn Lattimore shut him down yet again. And he tweeted out. He tweeted out after the game. Someone put up his numbers against Mike Evans. And he tweeted, better luck next year. That type of attitude, that's the number one cornerback mentality. And I said after the bye week, you noticed Marshawn Lattimore played really well against the Panthers. And then he gave up against a touchdown against the Bears. And I said last week, albeit I did say I thought the Bucs would win. I said, I think Lattimore's going to play well. And I would not get worried about Lattimore giving up a touchdown to Allen Robinson and and judging that off how he's going to play against the Bucs because Allen Robinson's a way better route runner than Mike Evans. Mike Evans is probably the better receiver... But Alan Robinson's a better route runner. And you saw it. Mike Evans looked like he was running in quicksand against Marshawn Lattimore. He had nowhere to go. And once again, Marshawn Lattimore, in the case of going up against Mike Evans? You are the fire! Oh, he's the father indeed. He is absolutely the father in that relationship. Once again, owns him. Uh, And I think if they were to meet a third time, I don't know how that game would look. What I do know is Marshawn Lattimore would be able to lock down Mike Evans because I've seen it enough now. And if you're going to keep denying what you're seeing, I'm pretty sure that classifies under the definition of insanity. Because if you continue to see Marshawn Lattimore lock up, and I mean lock up Mike Evans, but you keep telling yourself, I'll be different next time. It's not going to be different. It's not going to be different. You guys all have that one friend that flakes every time you try to make plans. He says, oh, I can't go. I'm too busy. I have this to do. I'm too busy. You can't ask to make plans and assume, oh, this time's going to be different. That guy's going to show up. He flakes all the time. Why the hell would he show up? Mike Evans does not show up against Mike Ev- uh, against Marshall Lattimore. Why the hell would he show up next time? In my opinion, I don't see that happening. So let's get Lattimore out of the way. Let's talk about the man who look like the Terminator out there, Taysom freaking Hill. It's been a weird year for Taysom. It started off rough. I said I was done with the Taysom experiment on Twitter in terms of him at quarterback. I, I was wrong. Roll that thing back. He looked fantastic against the Buccaneers. I think if you were supposed to rank the players who played the best, if he's not in your top three, I don't know what game you were watching last night. He threw for 48 yards. He ran for 54 yards. He also had a 21-yard catch. I mean, this man does it all. He was making tackles on special teams. Taysom Hill is so unique. And if the Saints are going to get to where they want to go, they got to keep using number 7. And I was wrong for using the Saints' low moments as a as the defining point where I said, "Hey, yeah, I don't want to see this anymore." I was wrong. Taysom Hill knows what he's doing. He's been on fire the last couple of games. And the best part about Taysom Hill in the game, they're pounding the football. They are pounding. I know it didn't seem like they ran the football a lot, but Murray had 10 carries, Kamara had 9 carries, Taysom Hill had 7 carries, Dwayne Washington had 5 carries guys, that adds up. That adds up. That's 30 plus carries on offense. The Saints are running the football with purpose. And sometimes it's like, hey, these two yard runs with Taysom Hill aren't working. Oh man, it it works because he beats the crap out of the defense. I know it probably hurts and it looked like Taysom Hill had battle scars all over him. I mean, the guy looked like he just went through a fist fight in an alley with seven different dudes. It works, man, because those defenders, they got to pay the price tackling Taysom Hill. I know Taysom probably takes a couple of bumps and bruises when he gets hit, but man, I think the defender gets it worse. That is a grown man who's literally built like a Terminator coming downfield and he wants to hit you. When Taysom Hill comes downfield, he doesn't want you to get out of the way. He wants to hit you and make you feel it. And he was amazing. And I think at some point late in the game, the Bucs, their will was broken. Taysom Hill was just running all over the field. He was leaping everywhere, too. He had a hurdle, which I know definitely gave Texas fans flashbacks. And if you don't know what I mean, just go search up right now on Google, Taysom Hill, uh, touchdown versus Texas. He basically leaps over the whole defense. It was BYU-Texas. BYU pulled off the upset, and Taysom was great. And Taysom was great last night. And I know he might not be a legitimate quarterback, and we still don't have the answer to that, but I think it's probably no. What I do know is that he's an excellent football player, and the Saints are using him the right way. We were all dumb for judging it too soon. They need to keep using him. And when the defense keeps cheating up, and they say, hey, we're going to stop the run, Taysom's going to throw it. We saw him have a pass to Jared Cook, and we saw him also have a pass to Adam Adam Troutman, which leads me to my next point. Welcome to the show, rookie. Adam Troutman, three catches for 39 yards and a touchdown. His touchdown was fantastic. The ball location from Drew Brees was just chef's kiss. And you had Jer- uh, Jared Cook, who didn't play well. Adam Trauman says, I got this. Don't worry, I'll carry the tight end room. And he played pretty darn well uh, against this Bucks defense. And if they can get him more involved as the season progresses, that's another weapon to use in your arsenal and this rookie class for the Saints hasn't been great, but this rookie class for most teams hasn't been great because they haven't had a rookie minicamp or a preseason. So they're all learning on the fly. And if Adam Troutman gets going, I don't know who you stop. Who do you stop in this offense? It's going to be tough. You're going to have to pick your poison. And while Adam Troutman was one of his welcome to the show moments, we had a welcome back Michael Thomas moment. Michael Thomas, who it's been a rough year. The injuries, the trade rumors, the, the nonstop you know, bullshit that people were trying to feed about Michael Thomas, specifically Mike Florio, who I'm talking to right now, uh, directing this to. What the hell were you thinking? Why would you think that the Saints would trade the best receiver in the National Football League over a damn injury and over him punching a guy in the face when clearly everyone wants to punch Gardner Johnson in the face? Big whoop that Michael Thomas wanted to do it too. I mean, this man, he was limited last night. They didn't use him that much. He had five catches for 51 yards. But when they needed a first down, they were going to Mike, and it didn't matter that he didn't play for two months. They were going to him, and they trust him. And him and Drew Brees, they still have that great chemistry. And I wouldn't be shocked if either next week or the week after, whenever it happens, we're going to see one of those big Mike games where he just has eight catches for 100-something yards and goes off. He looks good. The fact that he got out of that game without an injury is great news for the Saints. And we'll see. Let's see the injury report this week. Is he on the injury report? Is he practicing in full? Is he progressing? The best thing the Saints can do right now is use him on a pitch count while keeping him healthy and still using him in an effective manner, which they did. And and I don't know why Mike Florio tried to feed this crap that he would get traded and the Saints were looking to shop him. Michael Thomas said after the game, he made a mistake and he learned from that mistake. The Saints paid him a lot of money because he's the best receiver in the league. The Saints paid him a lot of money because they know if they're going to win now, number 13 needs to be on the field. And guess what? Number 13 was on the field, and the Saints are 2-0 this season when Michael Thomas is in the lineup, and that's a telling sign for me. He just changes the way a defense plays. Everyone loves to talk about the Bucs and how great they are defensively and the pieces they have, and rightfully so, I get it. But man, when Michael Thomas is in, he changes everything because he commands so much attention that Traquan Smith is open, that Emmanuel Sanders is open, that Jared Cook is open, that Deontay Harris is open. He just commands so much, whether he's 100% or 80%, and having him in the lineup was a huge plus, and I was thrilled to see it pay off for Michael Thomas. That's a guy who's had to deal with a lot of crap, both what he both, you know, he put on himself and didn't really put on himself, but the media was just forcing it. But he had to deal with all that, and he still comes out and he plays well, really happy, for michael thomas now before we get into the big part where i want to talk about whose division this is what the saints can do in the future all that let's go to the straight up bullshit segment of the week and the straight up bullshit segment of the week goes to jared cook what are you doing what are you doing man fumbling on the one when you got three buccaneers around you and i don't even want to blame jared cook in full i have a question for officials how come when the bears catch that and the guy is not moving It's forward progress, but with Jared Cook, it's like, oh, it's a Saints player. Let's wait until he fumbles, and then we'll blow the play dead. That's not how this works. Look, Jared Cook should have went down. I said it on Twitter. He can't make that type of mistake, and the Saints were lucky that last night wasn't even close, so it didn't cost them, but that is a mistake you make in a game that's closer, and boy, that's a tough one. I mean, that could change the whole game. It could kill all your momentum, so that's a big one. But, man, what about the refs, too? Let's have some consistency here. I know Jared Cook did not play well. He dropped a big pass on third down. He had that crucial fumble. But uh, these refs got to be consistent. And it goes to what I said a couple of weeks ago. There are calls the Saints will not get that other teams will get. And that one was one of those where when it was the Bears with Cole Komet, it was forward progress. With Jared Cook, it was, yeah, let's wait till this son of a bitch drops the football so we could call it a fumble instead of saying it's forward progress. I mean, that, that's what happened. Uh, that is literally what happened. I mean, there's three guys around, and you got one guy underneath trying to punch the ball out. Jared Cook is not even moving anymore, and then a call forward progress. I don't get it. Whatever. It's it's NFL officiating, and the Saints are going to have to battle their way through it yet again for another year. Um, so that obviously was not ideal, was not ideal, to say the least. Now, we're not done here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. There's something I really want to talk about, and it's a big thing. It's where can this Saints team go? Is this their division? And it's funny because leading up to this weekend's game, everyone was talking about the Buccaneers, including myself. I was saying they were playing better football. They just looked like a more complete team right now. And for those reasons alone, it was it would be almost odd to say that the Bucs were not the favorite in the NFC South leading up to this weekend because they were 6-2, they were flying high, and the defense looked really good. And yet that all came crashing down, and the Saints had to listen... For a week, maybe even longer, for months, that hey, this is Tom Brady's division now. He's here to, to do his business. And the Saints are like, hey, no, 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 guys. I'm still here, dog. Oh, and I'm bad, dog. Oh, you just went and turned your bad, dog. But for real, I mean, the Saints literally just come out after listening for two months, just listening to, hey, it's Tom Brady's division now. The Buccaneers are playing well and, and they could win the South. And then the Saints come out and say, no, 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 no. This is still our division. We still run the South. And now, and you saw the numbers, the probability just flips on its head. The Saints, I think, had a 38% chance of winning the division going into last night. They now have a 63% chance of winning the NFC South after winning that game. You you swept it, so you have the tiebreaker now. And this is the Saints division for the taking. And more importantly, if you just want to peek over and look at the NFC standings, the Saints are the running for the, the number one seed. And I tweeted out yesterday, the Saints are showing up to the party like Michael Scott with the Lady Gaga music going on. It's Britney, bitch. I mean, the Saints out of nowhere. This has been one of those years where I never felt like the Saints looked good. I didn't think the Saints looked good at all in any of their wins. I didn't think they looked good against the Bears, against the Panthers, or against the Chargers. Although I did say the Bears were their most impressive win of the season. That was before last night's beatdown. But the Saints never looked great. Like the Packers had some great moments. The Buccaneers beat the crap out of the Packers. That was their big win man this whole changes and only we're only through the first half of the season now I mean there's still eight more games to go for the Saints who knows whether it's going to be good or bad but they have put themselves in a position where this year's NFC is not loaded like last year that hey I mean if the Saints can get to 12 and 4 they might be the one seed you never know you never know with these type of things man just got to stay healthy got to keep plugging away at it but they're in a really good spot and if I told you the Saints go 12 and 4 let's say they do Maybe even eleven and five. You sign up for that. You one hundred percent sign up for that. Obviously, you want twelve and four now. You you want to be eager and, and greedy with that. But we'll see what happens. But the Saints have put themselves in a really great spot. And for the second straight year, they lose a big player, and they just keep holding down the fort. They lose Michael Thomas, hold down the fort. They lose Emmanuel Sanders, hold down the fort. They lose Davenport, they lose Lattimore, they lose a lot of guys this year, and they kept holding down the fort. And while you win ugly, it counts as a win. And guess what? Last night's win. And the Chicago Bears win, guess what they both are? They're wins. It doesn't matter. It goes in the column as a win. It doesn't say win by 35 or win by three. It just says W. It doesn't matter. It's all spelt the same. And this is why this Saints team has found themselves in the in the hunt. Out of nowhere, in the hunt for the number one seed. And it doesn't even seem like this is their, like 2018 felt like the year for the Saints. Everything was clicking. They were blowing out teams left and right. They were a complete team. And 2019, the Saints won 13 games. But like we we said with the Saints, it wasn't that fun. I think it's because the Rams game just took all the fun and sucked all the fun out of our lives. But it just didn't seem it. This Saints team before last night, it kind of felt like uh, they're kind of hanging on. They're like a prize fighter. They got one more good punch left in them. I don't know. It's like they've all found the fountain of youth. I mean, this Saints team last night looked incredible. I'm not saying they're going to do this on a consistent basis because it's literally impossible to sustain that type of great play. But the Saints proved last night, when they are on, they are still as good as any team in the NFC. And I don't know if this is a Super Bowl team yet. Again, like I said, it's eight games in. It's eight games in. We don't know where the Saints are going to be eight games from now, okay, when the playoffs start. But right now, with the way the Saints look, they are absolutely a playoff team. And better yet, the Saints are going to be in the hunt for a one-seed and what really helps them out, I know they lost to the Packers and everyone talks about that. But if the Saints, if their defense plays like that, they are the one team in the NFC that doesn't have a huge flaw. Now, I know you're asking for a lot, but the Packers, what's their flaw? When the Packers get punched in the mouth, the game's over. When you look at Aaron Rodgers' winning percentage, when he's down by 10 points, he stinks. Look at the Saints this year down by 17 against the Chargers, one down by 10 against the Bears, one down by 14 against the Lions, one. The Saints can go down and come back. You look at the Seahawks. Russell Wilson is playing by himself. He's got no defense. Absolutely no defense. That's a big flaw. How about the Buccaneers? You know, the Buccaneers have a lot of talent. Let me tell you something, and I know this might sound like a shock or a a hot take for some people. I don't think Bruce Arians is that great of a head coach. I think Bruce Arians is a good head coach, but when he goes up against Sean Payton, he gets outclassed every time. So I think that's a big flaw for them. Don't get me even started on the NFC East. We should just get rid of them. They, They absolutely stink. But what I'm saying is, even though this hasn't felt like a great year for the saints and who has had a great 2020, probably no one. Okay. They are in the hunt. They're literally tied with the Packers and the Seahawks for the best record in the NFC. And I don't trust Seattle's defense. And I don't necessarily trust Aaron Rodgers. I know that sounds crazy. I don't trust him when he's down a lot, that Packers team, when they get punched in the mouth, they don't play well. So here we go. Here we freaking go. And when the saints lost to the Packers, They didn't have Michael Thomas. The defense didn't have Davenport, and they weren't playing well. This is a different team now. The Saints look way better today than they did against the Packers four weeks ago. And the Packers, for that thought, looked looked way better then than they do now. I mean, we got to forget this Packers team two weeks ago lost to the Minnesota Vikings. So there's a lot to unfold and unpack, and we'll get to it. And there's still eight weeks left, and we'll see what happens with this Saints team. But the Saints have put themselves in a fantastic position to win Not just the NFC South, potentially win the NFC. And it's going to be fun. I mean, this is Drew Brees' last year, guys. Chips all on the table. Have fun. Let it rock. And it's going to be really, really cool to see what happens as the season goes along. But there's really nothing left to say. I was watching last night's game, and there were times where I was speechless in a great way. There's times where I'm speechless because the Saints just do stupid things. I mean, dumb penalties, stupid plays. Last night was not one of those. I was speechless because I couldn't believe the performance they put out on the field. They dominated Tampa Bay through four quarters, and it's funny, and I, I love watching these media people backtracking now, oh, well, here comes the Saints. You didn't give the Saints an ounce of credit this season. Don't give it to him now, and this one goes for my guy Colin Coward over here, who I know I, we all love to joke around. This freaking guy went out and said, Bucks win 30-21. to 21. I'm not even sure it's that close, and then he was like, oh, well, the Buccaneers played bad against the Giants because they were looking forward to this game. Did the, did the Buccaneers play bad against the Saints because they were looking forward to next week's game against the Panthers? What's the excuse, buddy? What's the excuse? I mean, that man, he if he wasn't such a good hot take artist, he wouldn't have a show. He literally has a show off being a really good hot take artist. And I'd love to see the backtracking he does today. I don't even want to hear it because it, it's so quick to throw Drew Brees out the window and say the Saints aren't good. But yet, prop up Brady. What's going to be your excuse for last night's? What's going to be an excuse? Because week one, it was the preseason, and Brady needs time. And I got it, and I understood that. And I said, I agreed. I said, hey, the Saints should beat the Bucs on week one because the Bucs don't have the continuity the Saints have. What's the fucking excuse when nine weeks later you play the Saints and you look worse than you did in week one? What's the excuse? I would love to hear it today, and I'm sure they'll probably give it out, and it's going to be some lame excuse about Brady needs more help and the O-line wasn't good it's the NFL. Not everything goes perfect. When things don't go perfect, can you overcome it? Right now, the Saints team can. I don't know if the Bucs can, and I think that's a really interesting thing to see as we move forward this season, guys. But I hope you enjoyed the win over the Buccaneers. Judging off the timeline, I bet you guys did. It was a damn party last night. I don't think anyone went to bed till like 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, whenever you decided to stop watching the highlights from that beatdown. That was the most fun I've had watching a Saints game in quite some time, uh, maybe two or three years. So I really enjoyed it. I know you guys did too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I'm going to put out some videos today on YouTube for you as well. Going to ramp up the content like I promised. Um, And also, I'm going to just put this out here. I'm going to tweet about it later today. But I am going to start doing live streams either Monday or Friday. I'm going to take a vote from you guys which day you prefer. And we'll start doing weekly live streams where you guys can interact and we can talk about the Saints. And why not? I mean, it's, it's a fun season. Eight games left. It might be Drew Brees' farewell tour. Who knows? It's really fun. Um, and and I'm enjoying it. But what a win for the Saints. What a statement made on Sunday night with the whole nation watching. And what a great week overall. It's been the last couple days. have been really fun for everyone, Uh, and we'll see if the Saints can keep it rolling next week against the Niners. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I want to thank you guys so so much for listening to this episode. Enjoy your victory Monday. Enjoy the rest of your week, and enjoy all the slander that's going to go on your timeline about Tom Brady because rightfully so, he's a little bitch.